I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself, depending on the subject matter and your needs. Listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to when you want to hear the latest and what's happening out there in the world. What are the personal experiences? How can we relate to them? What can we gleam from what's being shared? And just go from there, because how else are we going to know unless we start opening up and spilling our guts on this? And I'm talking about getting down to the nitty gritty of it and telling all the details, getting to the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, just sharing. So go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com and tell me, tell me from the angelic, tell me from the demonic we have to do this. Now, I'm going to get to my first email, but before I do that, you guys are in for a treat. In the next segment, we are going to be speaking to Pete Whitley, who is the National Director for MUFON of Japan and a member of the MUFON Experiencer Resource Team. It's going to be a fabulous conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what we covered, because wow, just wow. Now, I want to get to an email that was sent to me, because this is what it's all about. This email is a nice juicy one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I don't read these ahead of time. <laughs> Usually, I'll glance through maybe sometimes, but I really don't read in depth. And uh, I like to be just as surprised as you are. All right, so this one starts off. Well, hello. <laughs> I recently watched the Ancient Aliens episode with you and was so grateful to hear that there are others out there and you as a resource. Oh, that's kind of you. Uh, this phenomenon has been happening to me throughout my lifetime since my memory began. Wow, that's amazing. I have searched for answers everywhere and pursued my formal education into the mind, becoming a psychologist. Oh, wow. Okay. Psychology told me it was, quote, sleep paralysis. 
I've had those conversations. I I think that's a a way to sidestep what's really going on. But okay, gotcha. All right. Sleep paralysis and that the brain emits chemicals at night to keep us in bed so that we don't act out our nightmares. Yes. Which makes perfect sense to me, she says. For most of my adult life, I figured that sometimes I just happen to become aware in the middle of having dreams experiencing hypnagogic hallucinations. Hmm. That's 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 what uh, gets said out there. Just we've covered that here on the show so many times because it doesn't explain everything. All right, continuing. However, it has also happened to me while I've been awake. Hmm. If it is all just hallucinations, then it must mean that I have some level of psychosis. I'm sure you don't, (laughs) which is possible because my father has psychosis, but I have never been completely convinced that a lack of my own sanity is the whole explanation. Amen to that. After working in an involuntary detainment mental health unit with various psychotic people, I noticed that many people during episodes seem to be in some kind of space in between the spiritual and physical planes that might be a reality not fully understood. Mm-hmm. Still, I never met anyone who described what I experienced. Starting around the age of three, when I first remember, the sleep paralysis happened almost every night. Oh, no. I could clearly see hovering over me a Native American chief with war paint and feathered headdress. Oh, got goosebumps. His face was so huge and closer to me than one can get in physical reality while still being able to focus on their feathers. Hmm. It terrified me. There was always this uncomfortable feeling, sound, and buzzing vibration that rang through the whole nervous system. In later years, I thought that he was perhaps a ghost who was unhappy that we were there. Now I wonder if possibly something else was there, and he was maybe trying to protect me. That's my first thought, to be honest. I had ongoing nightmares and extremely vivid dreams as I grew up, but the sleep paralysis happened less after I moved from that home when I was around age 10. The next time that sticks out in my head is when I was age 18, in the Navy, sleeping in the barracks on the base in Illinois. I tend to think there is a lot of negative energy on military installations. Mm, okay. It seemed like this entity wanted to scare me. It was some kind of shapeshifter taking the form of the skeleton-like demon gargoyle entity, and the buzzing vibration was really intense. I had a roommate at the time, and it took me a little while to come out of the paralysis to scream out for help from her. Even after I was moving, talking, and awake, I could still feel the buzzing and felt it was still there for maybe up to an hour. I don't remember ever seeing anything with glowing eyes or a hat. Thank God. (laughs) I got out of the Navy shortly after that, moved back home with my family, and became pregnant shortly after that. The pregnancy seemed to trigger an increase in activity. It started happening almost every night again. Oh, no. But 
I developed carpal tunnel from pregnancy swelling and thought that my sleep cycles were disrupted, causing it to return. I would frequently feel the paralysis and buzzing with the sense that there were people standing at the foot of my bed, but I couldn't see them. I thought that maybe I was too afraid to look or that my third eye wasn't open enough to perceive them. Then, after my daughter was born, there started to be some paranormal activity, and I began seeing tiny lightning images at times, Ooh, especially around my baby girl, and even caught some on camera. Also, one day upon awakening, I remembered the graphic and violent death scene of a past life that explained and connected some reasons for my choices. Oh, wow. I moved to a different state and lived in an apartment building where it continued to happen, but slightly less. Then we moved to a brand new house and it subsided for the most part. I believe the activity is connected to energy at certain locations. Oh, that is for certain. For certain. I tell people that If you move and it ends, yay, it's not connected to you. But sometimes it uh, still just follows you to an extent, but it could be lesser if the place that you move to is less convenient for them, uh, where you have more positive energy and good memories and good things going and flowing. All right, so she continues. Later, I felt a very strong entity while very awake on a drive through a park alleged to be haunted. I made the comment, I don't think there are any ghosts here. Oh, no. (laughs) In that very moment, I felt a buzz vibration so strong that I thought that I might have been actually electrically shocked by my car. It still happens in my sleep, but far less often in my new house. And the last time I experienced it was on a silent meditation retreat within the last year. However, after doing research into aliens and metaphysics and exorcisms and spiritual practices, I became aware and remembered an instruction to visualize surrounding yourself with blue light, if ever being abducted by an alien. It worked to free me of the paralysis much quicker than previously. Never heard of the blue light. I've heard of white light. So that's that's new to me. Um, I thought the alternate explanation to me having psychosis was ghost or spirit activity. Mm-hmm. After watching the ancient alien show, I am wondering if this could be aliens trying to make contact different kinds for different reasons. Most of the time, I think it could be a combination of all of the above. I keep feeling like I am being guided to do ayahuasca retreat and have one scheduled in April. Oh, that's cool. I am hoping it brings me healing and answers. I wonder if you have any advice or guidance for me regarding self-protection or healing or communicating or anything that might come to mind. I truly appreciate your courage and strength to share your experiences. I tend to feel crazy when I talk about this with anyone, but now I feel a little less alone. Thank you and warm regards, Betsy. Oh, thank you, Betsy. That was really, really well thought out. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the kind words too, because um, it's a hard road. It's been a hard road. And even, uh, you know, having presented that topic to ancient aliens uh, about shadow people after having named, defined, and even trademarked these things, um, 
trying to set the record straight on the phenomenon as a single lady has not been easy. Uh, so, and it's, I feel really humbled to be able to be in the position that I am to uh, shed some light even further on these topics. And, uh, you know, good on you being a psychologist and having such an open mind about what it is that uh, people experience because you trust yourself. You trust what it is that you've experienced. And, and same for myself. And, you know, psychosis, shared psychosis to have a, a man in a hat, you know, or glowing red eyes on a shadowy, shape-shifting figure, it doesn't fit with anything. I mean, that's just not happening. And I have people writing me rather weakly to say, I thought I was the only one experiencing this. So um, it's not something that they're seeing prior and knowing that others are experiencing this. And as far as protecting yourself, uh, this is something that I've spoken about here on this program uh, several times. And I do have it in my Facebook group called a Shadow People and Hat Man Experiencers. And uh, what it is, it's a method of walking through your home, blessing every corner, using spring water or holy water, uh, using a necklace as a cross or, you know, your belief system is very important and having no doubts that walking through and getting every corner and clearing it out and placing your your faith and your your, your conviction out there to these things to say, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm done. Get out. You're not welcome. In fact, I'll send you the blessing. I see your email address here and the method on how to do that. Uh, so I don't bore everybody in going over that in detail again. But I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time to write me and having the background that you do. You know, I, I swear it's coming together with people like you that will really make the difference. All right. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. 
I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. As promised, I have a fabulous guest. Originally from the U.S., Pete Whitley is the National Director for MUFON of Japan and a member of the MUFON Experiencer Resource Team. A former counselor with degrees in psychology and biology, he is also an experiencer himself. His primary focus is on reports of interaction with non-human intelligence. More recently, he has been exploring the use of astral projection to gain insight into the activities and motivations of our visitors. So I'd like to welcome Pete Whitley to the show. Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Heidi. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure. So you are a national director for MUFON over there in Japan. So tell us a bit about how that happened. I mean, that's quite a, a feat. Yeah, well, you know, what happened was I filled out a survey for MUFON and the survey was for experiencers. And basically that means people, abductees or contactees. The director of the experiencer resource team, which I am now part of, got back to me and told me, yeah, um, what you're telling us sounds very similar to what we hear. He gave me just some information and so on and so forth. That started a conversation between him and I, and then he told me, he said, you know, you're in Japan, we could use someone over there um, that has experience with this stuff. And so I joined MUFON um, about a year later, I became the national director. And then as my personal main interest in this phenomenon is with the abductee contactee phenomenon, I eventually joined that experience resource team. It's fabulous. You know, back in the day when I first uh, ran a UFO paranormal discussion group, uh, MUFON wanted to make my group a chapter, uh, but it was a more technically centered back then uh, MUFON was versus the experiencer conversation. That was my experience, though not everybody's. And how has uh, MUFON evolved, do you feel, um, historically to today? Like, what, what are the focuses that they endure now? You know, we still do have that nuts and bolts side of MUFON with the field investigators where they go out and they, you know, they try to measure, you know, how fast an object was going and so on and so forth. That's still a part of MUFON. But we do have 
like I mentioned, this experiencer resource team. So we also have the other side where now they have really opened up and they're not just looking at, you know, what did the object look like? How fast was it going? Where was it going? Now we're also looking into the contactee phenomenon, you know, people that have had experience, you know, one-on-one -on -one with these non-human intelligences. Yeah, I think that is, it's absolutely necessary to marry the two. And uh, it was so much a focus for myself to get the voices of victims and experiencers uh, heard. And I, the nuts and bolts to bring that to society to say, look at the remnants of what was left here or the witnesses absolutely necessary. And I'm excited to see more of this uh, comfort in uh, move on with that. And, and I know it's been, they've been definitely doing it for years. Of course, I love Kathleen Martin. She does so much and it's, oh, yeah. oh my goodness. It, there's so much that's moving and shaking and it's great to see. So for yourself, let's get down to some of these experiences. So <laughs> sure. when, when did this start? Like, when did you know that you were experiencing something out of the ordinary? The first conscious memory I have of something happening was when I was 17 years old and I was born in Washington state. Um, I was going to bed one night and a blue light shone into my bedroom, triangulated at my bed where I was laying down to go to sleep. And through this blue light to what I now know to be as grays appeared. They just popped there in the blue light. And the funny thing is now, of course, I was terrified, but I could tell they were surprised, which was <laughs> something that really kind of still trips me out to this day. So as you can imagine, you're laying in bed, a light shines through your window and two aliens show up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The You're bit earth, earth shaking. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I attempt to jump out of bed. And what happened was, and this sounds crazy, but I jump about halfway up and I'm frozen. So oh. if you can imagine, yeah, frozen, Wow. <laughs> not ice frozen, but uh, my body is frozen. If you can imagine half of my body off the bed, the other half touching the bed, Whoa. I was frozen like that. Oh, gosh. Okay. And they proceeded to take me through the closed bedroom window out into our backyard and that is where my conscious memory of that event stops that was the first time in my life anything like that had consciously happened to me and i knew it was real the very next day of course it was the first thing i got up in the morning i ran upstairs and told my mother you won't believe what happened last night Oh, no, no, Pete, it was a dream. It was a dream. It wasn't a dream, I swear. 
Wow. But that was the first time. Maybe, maybe they thought you'd listen too much uh, Coast to Coast AM, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. My father and I used to listen all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, they thought you just tuned in a little too much. But that <laughs> that's interesting. So was there, uh, of course, there's fear with it while it was going on. But where did your curiosity lead after that? How did you aim to find answers? So... I had one more experience in those days. It was about six months later. At that point, I had turned 18. Um, This time, I awoke on what I assumed to be a craft, a UFO, if you will. I awoke. um, I was lying down. My head was slightly elevated. To the right of me was what we would call a tall gray. And again, I could tell that this entity was surprised I was awake. He had a long metal rod and he told me telepathically, I'm going to put this in your ear and it's not going to hurt. Oh, boy. (laughs) So there's not much you can do in a situation like that, except just trust him, right? Right. Wow. Yeah. And I could, of course, I couldn't move, you know, at the time. And he put it in my ear. Um, it appeared to be much longer than the depth of my head, but that metal rod went all the way into my ear. He was right. It did not hurt. It did not hurt. Um, when he was done with that, he said, okay, it telepathically again, something to the effect of, okay, you're going to go to sleep. You won't remember this. I remembered it. Oh. First thing the next morning, I woke up and I went into the bathroom, which was next to my bedroom. And you're not supposed to stick anything smaller than your elbow in your ear, but I stuck my finger in there a little bit. Yeah. Just swiped around. And sure enough, there was a little bit of dried blood in there. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. When you think, no, when you think about, okay, you've got these crazy advanced beings and they're doing some procedure. Why would there be blood? But now that I've researched the phenomenon for so many years, I realized that there are a lot of physical effects like that. Yeah. And did you ever so, find out why this why this needle thing gets put in people's ear? What what is the cause of that or the reason for it? Um, there are a lot of theories. The most common one is that they're implanting humans with some sort of device. To what effect? You know, there's lots of theories as as to that as well. Mm, okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that didn't actually spark my interest, if you can believe it. Oh, okay. Where'd you go from there? So, of course, I knew these events happened. And I, you know, if the topic of UFOs or aliens would come up, I would always just mention, you know, completely honestly, Oh, yeah, I was taken twice. And people would laugh or a few people would take it seriously. Um, I didn't mind, though. You know, just something that to me just happened. Um, And it wasn't until I moved to Japan. I moved to Japan about 14 years ago. 
I was here in Japan. I saw a children's art exhibition. There was a poster that a child had drawn or painted. On that poster was a UFO. And inside the UFO was a little alien head. So this is many years after the fact. But looking at that poster sparked something inside of me where I thought, you know what? Those events were really strange. Now this sounds so silly, right? Like to not realize how strange that was. Right. But it, it was just kind of dormant in me until I saw this poster. And, and I, was, I was so naive at the time. I thought, you know what? I'm going to see if there's any books about UFOs. Wow. Let me stop you right there because we're going to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah! <laughs> 
welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Pete Whitley here who is sharing about his conscious memories of alien contact and how it led him to become one of the directors of MUFON Experience a Resource Team for Japan. Now, so you have this this epiphany suddenly when you see this child's <laughs> drawing of a ufo and you're like you know that was really weird i i really do need to look into this topic it, you know we all come to these conclusions like why we need to look further and hey a kid's drawing whatever it is a memory coming forward and mm. uh, you went to a bookstore to go and read up on it so what happened then so what happened was not only did i realize Oh, yeah, there's about a thousand books on UFOs. I realized there were actually books about, quote, alien abductions. So I picked up a book on alien abductions. See, you know, I knew what happened, but I wanted to see what what people were saying. And what shocked me was the things they described in that book were precisely the things that had happened to me. People reported blue lights. People reported long metal fangs being inserted into their ears or their nose like that. And that that was another epiphany. You know, I always knew it was real. But that to me just said, wow, this is a phenomenon that is happening to people all over the world. And we all share some similarities in it. I just dove head first wow. right into it, the research. Yeah, after that, constantly, all I would read is books about UFOs, alien contact, abduction, contactees, etc., etc. Fast forward to when my son was born. This is about, he was, he's eight now. He was just about one year old. We returned back to America, Washington State, um, for a Christmas visit. One night, I awoke on board another UFO. Sitting across from me was my infant son. Oh, no. Oh, no, would be the first thing you would think, indeed. However, he has the biggest smile on his face. He's grinning ear to ear. Wow. And yeah, and he's eye level to me. And he's sitting, and there's no other way I can describe this, but he's sitting in what looks to me to be an, an alien high chair for babies. Oh. It's, it's this weird molded white chair that puts him eye to eye with me. Like now, in between us is this sphere or a globe about the size of a basketball. Inside this sphere is some sort of purple liquid or gas swirling around. It looked a lot like, you know, when you see those fast forward images of the sun, how the fire's all dancing around. Yes, yes. Yeah, it looked like that, except it was purple. Now, to the right of me 
and the left of my son is another tall grave. And now those first two instances were terrifying. This time though, it was just confusing. Now, I'm not sure if I was not scared because I had been so immersed in the study of UFOs or if there was something else to it. Maybe having my son there eased, made it a little bit easier. I see. Yeah. So this tall gray says to me telepathically, if you agree to this, you and he, meaning my son, will understand each other's soul. And I had no idea what that means. I still have no idea what that means. So I am just sitting there in utter confusion, right? Apparently, that was enough to agree to it. This gray alien does something to the sphere. Now, as if this story isn't weird enough already. He does something to the sphere, but he doesn't physically move. And I can't explain how I know he did something to this sphere, but I just intuitively know he does something to this thing. As soon as he does that, my son and I shoot down from Earth orbit through the atmosphere, through the cloud cover, through the roof of my parents' home. This happens in a split second, Heidi. Wow. A split second. But it's like one of those moments where it's all in slow motion, right? Mm, right. Something so crazy or so shocking is happening. happening. You see it all. Right. Now, yeah, we arrive back in my parents' house, and this is what cemented into my mind that it was real, although I already felt it was real. When we arrived back, my infant son is sitting on my lap. Now, I'm laying down in bed. My son is sitting on my lap. He still has that huge grin on his face. And so I pick him up, I put him in bed, and I go back to sleep. That was the third conscious contact I had. And so now I've been in a lot of meetings with a lot of people who have experienced such things, and, and they've been really more terrified to see mm-hmm. that their child was also being involved in the abduction experience, but you felt comforted. That's very uh, interesting. It's, it's not something that I personally have heard uh, a lot on. I, I've, I've heard of people wanting to, you know, peel their, their hands <laughs> off from their kids, you know, but I guess your child was, was at ease. So, um, you know, have you thought of why this might've been, I mean, you, you, you have studied alien abduction phenomena and, What's the pattern that you've seen when people see that their child's also on board? Well, for one, it's pretty rare for a parent and their child to be um, duly abducted or taken, if you will. But it does happen. Um, Like you said, 
typically people are terrified. However, what we do know about the phenomenon is that it tends to run in families. Yeah. So for right. So for example, yeah. if a father or a mother has contact, typically one of their children will. Right. And so to me, what it felt like was sort of a passing of the torch, if you will, perhaps just maybe intuitively, I felt that. Um, and it didn't scare me, though, because like I said, he was just so happy to be there. You know, if he had been crying or something like that, absolutely, I probably would have been, you know, you know, helplessly, you know, saying, right, get your hands off my child. Right. But he was just so happy. And Go so, ahead. yeah, it put me at ease. I gotcha. Yeah, I've I've uh, spoke more to people who have witnessed their child being taken while they're paralyzed at bed or mm -hmm. have their arms opened up for the child to be taken from their arms, you know, that type of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And just anger, just so much anger. Absolutely. So, so what do you feel is uh, the reasoning behind it? I mean, your, your personal perspective for your experiences, what, why do you think they've come to you? I'm, I'm sure you aim to get hypnotically regressed to get more understanding. Yes. Yeah, in fact, I have been hypnotically regressed. In fact, um, I went to a regressive hypnotherapist to explore these events. We started with the event when I was 17 with the blue light when the two small aliens came into my room. Now, for two and a half hours, bless his soul, this gentle hypnotherapist tried over and over again to get me to explore what had happened. Now, if if listeners have never undergone regressive hypnotherapy, it's absolutely incredible. You remember things about the place you were. The details are astounding. Things you would never in a million years yeah. consciously remember, right? Mm -hmm. But over the course of these two and a half hours, Every time he brought me back to the point where these aliens came into my bedroom, I just broke down sobbing like a baby, right? It was, I was reliving it. I was terrified again. And like I said, he tried his hardest, but at the end of two and a half hours, he said, you just know no what? Luck. Yeah, I don't think this is going to help you. Well, <laughs> I agree with it. Yeah. I'm curious, too. We've got a short time before we got to get to break. But I'm mm -hmm. curious when it comes to people experiencing such things, there is such utter terror. But I sat through so many years of people being terrified and terrorized to suddenly mm -hmm. being like, well, I'm obviously special. I was chosen to almost like adoring what's happening to them. I'm curious what you think is going on with that. And, uh, you know, it, if we got to go into the next uh, segment to talk further, I am all about it. So what do you think that's about? Sure. You know, I can just say personally, in my case, even after that first event, when I was 17 years old, then even the next day, intuitively, <laughs> I felt it was to my benefit. 
it makes no sense, right? That makes no sense. But I felt intuitively to, it was to my benefit. And I think that's what happens to a lot of experience. Okay, let's continue that conversation after the break. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Pete Whitley. We are talking about really an interesting aspect when it comes to those who have had experiences, abduction encounters, horrible abduction encounters that have terrorized and terrified people so much. And then it changes for them. I, on the inside, I, it seems more than the outside than what's happening in their experiences. Suddenly, it's not so bad. I, they are not as terrified, and they feel somehow this is a good thing that's happened to them. And Pete, my question to you is, 
Do you think the beings are having you change your mind? Are they intuitively connecting with you to be like, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I mean, what do you think this phenomena is where it switches like that and and people let their guard down to what's occurring? That's a great question. Now, I think there we cannot rule out the possibility that there is some form of influence, if you will, where these entities might be convincing us that it's to our benefit. But like we were talking about, a lot of people come to that feeling later on, okay? So I do feel that Ultimately, it seems like they're benevolent. I think more and more now, too, the trends we are seeing is that people are feeling that they're more of spiritual experiences than simply being taken up and probed, like perhaps people felt, um, say, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Seems to be the trend from what I see. That's what's confusing. And and I've heard Stockholm Syndrome uh, be put out Mm -hmm. there as a possible uh, response to why it's happening, though, too. And it's it was utterly confusing to watch. I I sat in these these meetings with people who slept with guns under their pillows, waiting for those things to come again. And then slowly over the years, you know, I am special or where they would they would have a, a, a session where they were regressed. And and they're like, you know, I kind of remember agreeing to have this contact. And and mm-hmm. others were like, oh, I'm now being taught languages. And oh, now mm-hmm. uh, I'm being taught to calm the next person they abduct. But then they go to be regressed to those those uh, times they've had their experiences and they're they're terrified and horrified. Mm-hmm. It, it It is really a really strange phenomenon. But also, I don't know if you know this part of uh, research that I, I've done when it comes to mm-hmm. something called the shadow people phenomenon that and Hatman, mm-hmm. they're yes. sometimes seen right alongside of abducting beings and um, or they have interchanging type of experiences between them. It was something that happened to myself and how I came to understand what was happening with uh, uh, shadow people and alien abductions. Mm-hmm. But so it, it's hard to categorize, uh, you know, and, and I'm not one to try to have people believe one thing uh, mm-hmm. over another because everybody's an individual. You interpret it for yourself and nobody should cram anything down your throat about what you should believe. Um, yes. But it is a, a, there seems to be a conflict in alien contact. Um, some good, some bad uh, beings out there that may be not having the best uh, interest for you. So what's your, what's your understanding about what is going on with all of this? I mean, you're, you can only speak from your experience, but you are truly a researcher. So uh, what's the grander picture that you're you're gathering over all of this? Well, you know, you make a great point, Heidi. It, it, there's a dichotomy. And I see this as a part of the experience or resource team. You know, we will get people that are just absolutely terrified and all they want it to do is stop. And they've had it happen for years and years and years. But then, like we were talking about before, we'll have other people that feel like it's a spiritual experience. That's the aspect of the phenomenon that I think, honestly, I'm not sure if we're going to get answers to during our time here on Earth. I think, you know, Whitley Straber said something in a recent documentary that just really resonated with me. He said, 
we need to hold on to the question and the implication being that if we start to feel or think that we know the answers, we're probably on the wrong track. <laughs> that, that is a really good saying, because I always say nobody has the answers. And if they claim they do run. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel, too. Absolutely. As fast as you can. Uh, you, this is my whole thing. It's like uh, if I want to go to church. I, I go during the daytime generally, and uh, I'm conscious about my spiritual experiences. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. why come to us when, oh, let's paralyze you, <laughs> make you <laughs> make you terrified beyond words, um, and then we're going to really give you a great time. No, it, let, <laughs> give me a call, text me. We're very social online. Right. You know, they're technically advanced and say, hey, I'll meet you here. Let's have a conversation. But no, let's tuck this in the back of your memory you won't remember this we're going to influence you in the way that we want to you know that's not fair so no there's there's got to be a better way you would think you would think so this is why i'm like you know people hide who they are for a reason so they could trick you and why wouldn't these beings do the same is i mean isn't that logical to think i don't think it's a positive thing for myself when i look at it like this so how do you feel about that um you know i i think I, I do I do agree with that. It seems like there has to be a better way. It seems like it would be much more logical for them to just, yeah, meet us on our own terms. But I think when we when we begin to consider this phenomenon, we have to step back a bit and not think about it from an anthropomorphic standpoint. There may be reasons. They have to interact with us like this. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it may be a multidimensional thing. There's a myriad of theories, right? But I don't want to paint the picture that I necessarily believe this is entirely a benevolent phenomenon. We hear so many accounts of people where it clearly, clearly does not seem to be to their benefit. So we may indeed be dealing with different um, different species of beings or different types of entities. Absolutely. Yes, truly. It's uh, yeah, I worry for people. I really do, because it's uh, it's scary. It's really scary to think that something that abused your child, you were so angry about for years. And and, you know, if I had a friend that came over all the time, it's like, hey, Heidi, coming over. I'm going to knock you out and I'm going to whisper stuff in your ear and it's going to be all for your benefit. (laughs) I'd be like, "Okay, hold on. I don't know if I want you to come over anymore. You know, I'm done. So, uh, you know, it's like keeping it real. It's like uh, we're human. And we have our human understandings and they know this. So, um, you know, I I just uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we we can set our boundaries and they'll respect it if we don't want to be part of the program or tagged in our ear. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. 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 And you being a counselor, you're a counselor Mm -hmm. for a long time. And had you ever come across people uh, who had these type of experiences? Did you assist in that way? Uh, to help people cope better? Um, on, only as a part of the experience or resource team have I come across people, but that is a big part of what we do. Now, that's not to say everyone on the experience or resource team is a counselor. We have a wide range of people 
all sorts of specialties, all walks of life. However, what we try to do is support them in that. And that's what they come to us for, really, you know? And it's not it's not my job, it's not our job to tell them, hey, don't worry, these are good guys. Or, hey, stop this immediately, these are bad guys. Our job is really, like a counselor, just to hear them out, you know? A lot of time, all, all people want is just to be heard, just for someone to say, you know what, you're not alone. This happens to others. This has happened to so many people all around the world. Right. Yeah. It's so very important. And the work you do is fabulous. Now, how can people get a hold of you and the work that you're doing and uh, share their understandings of their experiences? Yes, you can go to MUFON.com and you can contact MUFON. If you have a sighting of an object, you can report it there. Additionally, at MUFON.com, you can find the Experience Resource Team and you can contact us directly through there. We've got a lot of people absolutely that want to help and reach out to you. Reach out to us and we'll reach back. I love it. And where are you located in Japan now? I'm in Nagoya. We're right in the middle of Japan. Wonderful. Well, you know what? I would love to come for a visit sometime and have a tour. It sounds we like it's do. a beautiful place. I love it. it you know, You're always welcome. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm going to show up. I'm like, Pete, hey, you said to come on <laughs> over. I, I'm just going to I'm going to sit at your cultural center that you've got over there and uh, I'm going to just wait till you open the door. No, you can you can sleep in my son's bunk bed. I'll kick oh, him out. He'll wonderful. Wonderful. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a deal. All right, Pete Whitley, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program. This is really insightful. Thank you, Heidi. It's been a pleasure anytime. It's great talking to you. Wow, simply amazing. We have come to the bottom of another fantastic show. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I have. And I want to remind you, uh, Pete Whitley.org is a place that you could go to to also reach out to Pete. And uh, also go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com and tell me about what it is that you're experiencing out there. Give me all the details. I'm telling you, I love these big emails and I think the listeners do as well because we really can appreciate seeing how things proceed in a person's life down the paranormal lane. You know what I'm saying? If you'd like, you could send me an email directly at HeidiHollis at gmail.com and uh, tell me what's on your mind. And if you want to be a guest on this show or if there's someone you want to send my way, Please indicate that as well in your correspondence with me. Another reminder to check out my social media. You can go to at one Heidi Hollis for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I am there. Check me out and also go to my YouTube channel. All right. My goodness. This went fast. I wish there was more. <laughs> All right, you guys, you have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We will see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.